Yeah, yeah, just go. Do you want me to get a brief introduction? Yeah, a little talk about what's going on in the dockyard, what you know about. Right. I live within stone's throw of the dockyard in Keel. I've lived there 30 odd years, but in March 2000, they announced that they were going to increase the amount of radioactive waste they throw into the Tamar by 500%. Well, actually, they said 700% at the time. They backed it off to 500%. This, because, this was because the bigger submarines were coming in, the Vanguard-class submarines. They create more heavy water because the reactors are bigger, so they got a, big, a bigger license to throw it into the river. Now, I and a couple of neighbours thought, not good for our kids and grandchildren, this, so we started a campaign to campaign against it. And from then on, I've been campaigning against it and being on the inside at the same time. Um, I'm an engineer by trade and the MOD wanted an advisory group to discuss technical questions and questions that were affected the local communities and they had a couple of NGOs so I was one of the NGOs that managed to get on the inside so I was on the inside on the advisory group advising the MOD and trying to steer it in the right direction for, our, for ourselves we've ended up not steering it very far. Um, as far as the submarines are concerned, we've got 12, 12 redundant submarines here. We've got seven at Rothsyth. Six of the submarines that are here have still got their fuel rods in. They couldn't take the fuel rods out because they didn't have a facility that passed the health and safety regulations to be able to do that. So they boronated the reactor system, which damped down the radioactive process made it safe <laughs> and there they sit until we get a new facility to be able to refit uh, not refit, refuel and defuel submarines um, Vanguard was a whole new process for us um, you're probably aware that recently there's been this hoo-ha about um, cracks that they've discovered in the reactor systems well Vanguard was only supposed to have one refuel. There's four Vanguard class boats. Those are the Trident boats. All the rest are attack submarines. Um, they were only supposed to be refueled once in their lifetime. It may now be twice. And the Astute class was never going to be. That's the brand new ones. Were never going to be refueled. But it looks as though if these cracks prove to be what they think they are, then they're going to have to do a refuel at some point because it's the formation of the inner core of the reactor that has a problem so they'll want to take that out and put a new one in the issue for us at the moment this is a, we've got all these submarines to scrap basically decommissioned submarines and they're going to be scrapped and we've been campaigning not to have it done in Devonport we do the refitting we do the refueling we said enough's enough as far as the risk factor is concerned. We don't want you doing this here. And it's ended up, I was part of the consultation. This is how it worked. We, we were in hmm, Manchester at the time, I think, expecting to hear 14 or 15 proposed sites where these submarines would be cut up. And the MOD just came in and said, we're only considering two, Devonport and Rosyth. So all that consultation was out the window. There's no consultation at all. Right, so let's assume that we can 
cut the submarines up safely. There were no bargaining chips because there's only 100 jobs involved in scrapping submarines. There are no, basically no new jobs. They'll use the existing staff. One of the problems they've got is the submarines don't come in as often as they used to. So you've got submarine, uh, guys trained for submarines and big gaps in between. So when I was on, sub on submarines, they put us on a frigate for six months and then put it back on a submarine when we came in. But the gaps are now much wider between long overhauls. So they've now got something to do with these guys. They can, they, they can put them into the submarine scrapyard. I don't know if you know the dockyard at all. There's a great big basin. I can't really show you. Can I? Yeah. Oh, I can. Yeah, sure. Last page. Oh no. There you go. You could use Unless the whiteboard if you want. Yeah. You could use the whiteboard if you want. Oh, right underneath? Yeah. Well, I'm quite happy with that. Okay. Basically, you've got the dockyard that runs the whole length of that side of the Tamar. We've got Tor Point over here and South Ash up here. It runs right up to Keon, basically. There's a Camel's Head Creek. Uh, this, this is North Yard, South Yard is down by Mount Wise, and there's a big basin up here, Fives Basin. Um, the Vanguard class submarines had a special dock, sorry, Vanguard class submarines had a dock built specially for them, nine dock, because they were so much bigger than submarines that we were used to, so they escalated that, put all the granite in the tip over here different story. Um, the SRC submarine refit complex is over this side. Uh, submarines sit in there. The core pond for the reactor with fuel rods is there. Sorry, that's the... Core pond. Core pond? Yeah, C-O-R-E, core pond. Um, that's where they store the actual fuel rods until they can ship them off or the new ones to install. Um, I'll tell you a little story, so I, yeah. I like stories. Uh, Dockyard comes up here, we've got houses. The road that goes along beside the dockyard goes up through Devonport. We've got primary school. Mm. The scale is actually very poor. Primary school at the bottom of my road. So, we're in a briefing now. Camps are six of us in the briefing. All the top brass with a right, telling us how it was all about Vanguard because Vanguard was new, telling us what they're going to do and blah 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 blah. So, question for you, sir? Yes, Mr. Raven. Supposing there is a nuclear problem on Vanguard. Um, there's a great big office block here with lots of workers in it, the SRC complex. What happens to these poor buggers? If there's a nuclear accident here. Glad you asked me that. Here on HMS Drake, there is a bunker. A nuclear bunker. Everybody would be evacuated to the bunker immediately. Fabulous. If I can just take that radius a minute and go, <laughs> what happens to the kids in the school? And the jaw just went, bong. Right. Um, and the answer was, the radiation is unlikely to go past the dockyard wall. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys, they're taking the mickey. It's time to go. Yeah. And that was top brass. Brainwashed. Do you know what's in there?
myself. Where we are now is that the submarines, the 12, have got to be broken up into tiny bits. We can't do that here. What they'll do is take out the dangerous stuff, that is the reactor, the intermediate level waste, and the low level waste, package it to a storage site. Then the submarines will be sent off to a licensed shipbreaker somewhere in the UK to be broken up. That won't be the dockyard's job. We'll get the high class work, they get the scrap work. The question for us at the moment is what do we do with the intermediate level waste? Now, there's a separate consultation for intermediate level waste. And if I'm boring you, tell me you know all about this. Separate consultation, what do we do with the intermediate level waste? Now, high level waste, by definition, is the fuel rods, fuel rods only. Okay, so fuel rods come out into the core pond, into a special flask on a train, gone. The reactor and all the internal bits of the reactor are intermediate level waste. There are some little pockets of it around in the circuits, in like primary circuit pumps and things like that. But the main bit is the reactor itself. Now, industry, right from hmm, nearly 20 years ago, have wanted to cut the thing up, cut everything up. The storage, preferred storage option is Nirex boxes. Now, these are lead line boxes used throughout the nuclear industry, power stations, you name it, different sizes of Nirex box. But the standard one is about like you see on, a, on an Arctic driving around the streets. It's most like a shipping container. Well, because it was going to be very, very lucrative, lots of money involved, the industry wanted to chop it up. Now, we've been campaigning against that. The NGOs, council, other people, wouldn't it be far better not to cut it up and to store it whole? Which opens another story, because we have to start talking about a deep waste repository, and that's somewhere in the country where we store all the nuclear waste from the country, power stations, hospitals, MOD, for, forever. I mean, at the moment, most of it is Sellafield, isn't it, and Drake. Sellafield's for the higher level stuff, intermediate level waste. Drake is for the low level stuff. Drake's nearly full. The deep repository that was going to be in Cumbria mm -hmm. was going to go down a mile and a half into geologically stable bedrock where it would be stored. First of all, it was going to be a retrievable store so that it could be taken out. If there was new technology to deal with the radiation, we could take it out, deal with it, give it a squirt of aerosol. Now we decided it's not going to be retrievable, so it'll be set in concrete. And Cumbria turned around and said, no thanks, we don't want it. So they're a bit stuck at the moment. And the whole process was working towards 2040. 2040 was going to be when the deep repository was commissioned. All the nuclear waste would then go into the repository. Problem solved. It's gone away. And the MOD are very keen for it to go away. They, they don't want it. Reminders of this nuclear age. <coughs> 
that's a different story again. So here we are with no end game. So we've got no, no repository. So we have to have an intermediate store for intermediate waste. Now, the intermediate store is likely to be permanent because I can't see anybody saying, yeah, we'll take it. Who's going who's to say, yeah, we'll have all the nuclear waste in the country underneath our town? So the intermediate store could be forever. So now we're planning for at least 100 years instead of 2040. Now, the biggest argument for us at the moment is not to have the intermediate level waste stored in Dockyard. It would be like getting a nap hand, wouldn't it? You've got the refuel in, the refit in, the scrap in, and now you're going to have the intermediate level waste as well. And there are valid arguments. Greenpeace argue against us because Greenpeace. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're. Touch word blindness on senile is the problem. <laughs> um, Greenpeace's theory then is that nuclear waste should be stored at the point of generation. It shouldn't be moved. They're, they're dead against transporting nuclear waste. Okay, so we've got an ally as far as the MOD are concerned. Oh, no, Greenpeace says we should store it. They're done for. Yeah, okay. But at the last meeting, They've said they're not averse to transporting the stuff. Um, they've realised now that by not cutting it up, and the recession's got a lot to do with this, by not cutting it up and storing it in a purpose-made flask, which would be equivalent or better than an IREX box, they could save an awful lot of money. Cutting it up, it's going to be hellish expensive because you're using all, all high-tech equipment, and everything's got to be closely screened, Got to keep people away from it. You can only keep somebody working on it for a few hours. Blah 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 blah. So the whole process would be hugely expensive. They realise they can save millions by storing it in as large a bit as they can. Now, <clears throat> first of all, when Cumbria was going to do the geological store, they said we'll take Nirex boxes, nothing else. Then we can build the store. Easily works. Conveyor systems. Nine X boxes, all the same size. Fine. Then they realised <coughs> some of the bits of kit they've got, especially from power stations, nothing to do with the MOD, are much bigger than Nyrex boxes, so there would be a cutting up process involved. So maybe we'll take bigger boxes instead. Great for the MOD, because the MOD can now package a reactor complete pressure vessel into a flask on the back of a lorry, gone. And that's what they're talking about. Um, at the last... <coughs> I have to remind, remind myself now. The last meeting, we've got two MOD sites, one at Aldermaston and Burfield, two NDA sites, NDA's Nuclear Decommissioning Authority, one at Salafield, one at Chapel Cross, and a private concern at Catenhurst in Cheshire. So we've got people that will take it. Um, I've got some stuff here that you can have a look at afterwards if you like. Uh, it shows you the flasks and the type of uh, transport that can be done. So it is, it's not rocket science, it's pretty basic. 
Um, my problem now is I don't trust the MOD any further than I can throw them. I've learned the hard way that it's all smoke and mirrors with the, the MOD. Um, and I, I, I wrote back to them when I had this letter. I wrote back to them and said, look, okay, you're happy to transport this stuff away from Devonport. Brilliant. I'm all with you all the way. But what happens? What's the default situation when these guys turn around and say, no, you know what? It's not worth it. Can't make enough money out of this. You keep it. Is the default position Devonport? No, 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 no. But on the back of my mind, I'm thinking, no, no, no. chances are it is. So that's where we are, really. So fire away. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? Can I ask you connection? You asked a shout at me? Sorry. Doc Nine. Yeah. Um, I've seen various photographs and drawings and been told a bit about. And um, there's some overhead gantry that's taken over the sun. And they pulled stuff out. Yeah. Uh, I did hear once that they had to use a turner to open the up, but maybe that was a bit apocryphal. Um, what I want to know is when they bring the rods out of the Vanguard, where do they put those? Okay. Um, in the old days, they swing them on an overhead crane in the breeze, and that's why it's condemned. So they they built. Um, if you can imagine, that, that's the dock. They've got rail tracks either side, and they've got a crane that goes up and down, a low-level crane that can run up and down the tracks right across the dock. So they can lift it out and drop it into a nuclear flask right into the, on the train. So it goes straight right, into, straight into a nuclear flask. Nuclear yeah. right. That's another story, because trains get derailed in the dock. <laughs> but let's not go down that route. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where we are with that. I was just trying to find a picture of the... Yeah, here we are. Doesn't look too bad. Lorry mm. looks, like a, looks like a boiler on the back. It? It's just a, mm. but there's lots of, picture, lots of pictures in there. Um, <coughs> what else can I tell you? Well, I'm just jumping in a moment. So that would be transported by road yeah. from... Down here, up to Sellafield, or, or yeah, wherever. Fine road. Yes. Of course, the roads are 100% safe, mm -hmm. and nothing ever crashes, etc., etc., etc. It's horrific. It's it would be treated the same as the fuel rods. So it would be, it would be a military convoy with armed guards guarding it. Um, so yeah, it's an expensive outing. To be honest, <coughs> I'm, I'm like that with that or a train because if a train comes off the track, yeah. it's not easily retrievable. It's usually a long, takes a long time. Um, I worked on the railway, so I know a little bit about. Yeah, go on. Um, those roads that are taken out, yeah. taken to Sellafield, yeah. presumably they're still going to be active. Yeah. I mean, for thousands, thousands of years. Yeah, what do they do with them? Did you say they get put in concrete? No, no. They're, so they're, the boxes are there. They're in the boxes. Yeah. And they're checked all the time. Yes, they are. Yeah. Um, and how controllable, like, is that? I mean, is it, is it likely, you know, what happens? Yeah, it is, it, it, is fair, it is controllable because yeah. <coughs> they, there's a mixture, isn't there, to, to get the process working. Fuel rods get lowered into the control rods and all the rest of it. Um, 
So it becomes active. And eventually it becomes inactive. And they found out purely by accident that boron shuts, shuts the radioactive program, or process down. So yeah, they'd be stored in a pond. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine if you haven't seen a pond. It's swimming pool, crystal clear water that you can act, you can see everything in the bottom, and, and the, there's just little boxes, racks for the fuel rods, and there's, the water is kept at a constant temperature. The air is monitored. The the air coming off the building is scrubbed, put through scrubbers, and it's it's managed very carefully because it's it's lethal for thousands of years. You know. It's, that's why they want the hole in the ground to put Presumably it in. Presumably that pond can <coughs> overflow if there was a bit of rain for three months or more. No, 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 it's all in a sealed building. Even, even the building is sealed against the environment. Yeah. And that water doesn't overheat or No. no. That's not to say that Sellafield haven't got problems, because they have. They've got massive problems. They've got silos containing stuff. They don't even know what's in the silo. And it's going into the ground, and they're trying to put a concrete barrier, digging under the ground to put concrete to stop this stuff from going into the environment. So Sellafield's got problems. I think with this, this is a, a very small amount of waste by volume compared to the power stations. But you can't compare those two because although they're both radioactive, it's the submarine is like a Formula One racing car compared to a power station, which is a tractor. It's just ch chugging along. And so, so there's a different degree of you know, power, activity. That's always activities that work. Yeah, going far away. As well as being involved in this group, I'm also in SWAN, Southwest Against Nuclear, which is campaigning against the nuclear power stations, and particularly the proposed nuclear power Also. It feels like a lifetime ago. I originally trained as a, a scientist, and I was, I could call myself a nuclear physicist. And I, you know, it was propaganda and it was optimism. And now I'm just seeing the country filling up with all these, everywhere there's a nuclear power station, and I hadn't thought of this place down here, everywhere there's a dockyard. Yeah. Those who are, it's, it's like not putting your garbage out to be collected by the council. You just start piling it up <coughs> into your back. What's going to happen to it? Future generations are going to have to clean up this mess, and they're not going to have the advantage of cheap fossil fuels that we've had in the 20th century. It's horrific. This is a legacy for future Absolutely. generations. Yeah. It's it's obscene <coughs> and it's, it's insoluble. Yeah. Uh, assuming that society continues to function in a fairly organised way, and it's not fair at the moment in terms of pandemics or things, but you know, if there's a collapse. Um, everything's going to fall apart. That's just going to be sitting down there glowing yeah. on the edge of what's left of Plymouth. It's horrific. So there's another interesting, before I do, another interesting story. I just want to say it as it comes into my head. <coughs> Recently, they've been on the refueling side, they've been changing the reactor heads. Can you imagine the, a reactor is a giant dustbin, it's got a great big lid on it with huge bolts fitted all the way around, and it's very, very thick steel. They've been changing the heads purely because they want to. They won't give us a reason for it. But there are heads lying around in the dockyard, which they've been cutting up, just to practice cutting up reactor stuff. So they've got a process that they've developed <coughs> using a, a diamond-encrusted rope 
and that cuts through the steel uh, and it's all in the enclosed, so that's fine. But interesting one from your point of view is when they've cut it up, bear in mind this isn't high level waste, this is low level waste. They, they're sending it to Sweden for smelting. So they're smelting the steel and they're telling us, and I'm not a scientist, so you might be able to help. They're telling us that they can skim off the radioactive stuff and send that back to us to store it and it over here. And all the Volvo cars are glowing <laughs> in the night time. That's I'm happened. Not sure happening. Their argument is sur surface contamination, but the, the body of the steel isn't made radioactive by the, the neutrons coming from the, the reactor. I, I don't know. Yeah. But th that would be quite easy to find out, I'm sure. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted yours. Um, one, of the, um, one of the routes that I know that um, has started to be taken by um, campaigners against nuclear weapons is reporting um, the crime of building and maintaining the tribal system. Um, and I've been thinking, if we were to, um, to, to report the crimes that are happening in Devonport in terms of tribes being illegal, and I'm sorry, you may have said this at the beginning and I missed it, um, what actual work is taking place in Devonport at the moment on the Trident system? And as I say, I'm sorry if you may said it said at the beginning. No, no, I, I, not in any detail anyway. Um, as I already, already said, we refuel submarines, so we do take fuel rods. We have nothing to do with we weapons. Okay, Weapons are in Scotland, they get loaded in Scotland, the boats come to us with so, no, no weaponry. So, uh, so, um, so I realise that I've shown my ignorance here. No, no. Uh, which, are, are, there, are there any of the Vanguard submarines in Devonport at the moment? Yes. Uh, yeah. which, which ones are here and what work is Only one, I think Vigilant is, is going its long having its long overhaul period now. Vigilant, and that's, that's uh, I think it's, it's a, is it Vigilant or Vengeance? Vengeance? Uh, oh. So we think Vengeance is here and it's, it's being um, being refueled. Yeah. Right. Uh, they, hmm. they did build a fuel refuel facility for Nine Dock before before they can do the other boats, the ones that are laid up, they have to build another facility because that that facility is purely for the Vanguard class submarines. And the house that sits over the dock is called the Reactor Access House. Um, basically that sits on top of the submarine is sealed so it becomes a sealed safe environment to work in. So it doesn't catch fire like it did a little while ago. So yeah, sorry. Next. Do you know what operations are carried out at other sites? Because it, it does seem that some level of, of maintenance or servicing is taking place at the first line, certainly, but I'm not sure to what extent. I mean, you've described a fairly comprehensive suite of servicing down here, so... Yeah, well, I'd imagine it, they do because they're quite keen. Um, the seven submarines that are up there are going to be cut up up there. Um, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to transport them back to us. 
that the holes are so bad they've got holes in them and they've, they've rusted out but I'm afraid they're afraid to move them it's, it's a huge logistical problem to move a submarine tow it around the coast and going through different areas that permission and all that sort of stuff but, and bad publicity and they're very conscious about publicity so the first one is going to be cut up in Ross Island they're, they're doing the first boat as a technical demonstrator to prove the process to see if there's anything that they haven't thought about um, and once the process is passed out as being workable on the edge of nine dock up here there are two docks, 13 and 14 docks, which are straight into the river. We've used them as dead berths for submarines to come in in an emergency. I think they're going to use those two to scrap the submarines in. So bring one in. It'll take about a year to scrap the submarine. So it's quite a long, quite a long time. It's quite a lot of work, but not a lot of reward. Because they always try and trade off. It's, oh, yeah, you're going to get... 3,000 jobs out of this. Uh, there's not, there's 100 jobs, and that'd be from the existing workforce. So we're not in a very good place, really. Yeah, that, the incident of cancers in the area. Do you know if there's any pockets? Um, well, we got into trouble, didn't we? We got into big trouble, didn't we? Um, back in. Oh, must have been 2005, 2006. Um, CANSAR is, is our little group. Uh, it started off as Campaign Against Nuclear Storage and Radiation. It changed to uh, Community Awareness because Campaign Against is too negative for the MOD. So, okay. And we knew we weren't going to change anything, but or not drastically anyway, we're trying to change things. So Community Awareness is much softer. They welcomed us in, so we got the information that we can go and talk to the Tavistock group and other groups, and, which is quite good. But back in uh, 2005 or 2006, we looked at the demographics. So we've got Nine Rock, HMS Drake, the road, and then Keon. Um, right here, there are five, five streets, terraced houses, Ocean Street, Redown Street, all those ships of the line, um, Admiralty Street. So what we thought we'd do is a questionnaire to every house. So 20 questions. How long have you lived here? How many hours a day do you spend here? Do you smoke? Which could be a contributing factor for cancer. Um, do you have any experience of cancer in the family? Do you yourself have cancer? Do you work on the river? Do you work in the dockyard? 20 questions. And went door to door. We didn't just post them through. We knocked on every door. Said, look, this is what we are. We're just a community group. We live in Royal Navy Avenue, which is the top of these streets. Um, if, you, if you would, just fill in the questions as honestly as you can, and we'll come around and collect them back. So we collected them back. Thought now we've got to do something with the information. It's not we can't really, we wouldn't be uh, accredited if we if we analysed this ourselves. So we sent sent this off to Green Audit. Um, a few months later, the report came back, and in those five streets, there were 19 times the national average for cancer leukemia. 
Well, as soon as we announced that, every man and his dog jumped on us from as high as they could get. <laughs> you're rubbish, you're amateurs, you shouldn't be doing things like this. And just tried to wipe it off the face of the earth. But I still drag it out. Like 19 times the national average, right outside your door. Where did that come from, the criticism? Sorry. What, what, where did that, you know, the, that's rubbish, who rubbished it? Who oh, the MD, MPs, councillors. Every man is Any credible epidemiologists for the shit? Yes. Actually, yeah, um, well, what's she called? Jerry Thomas? No. Deborah Lapthorne from the Council Health Department. Yeah. Because we had to, we went and talked to her about doing a citywide one. Oh, I forget she's called now. She knows something, she knows something. And she's in the she, she's in the cancer research unit in Bristol. Yeah. Doctor. She's part of the Southwest Cancer Surveillance Unit. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I don't know what doctor it's what. Sometimes I Might have a name on it. No. No. Sorry. I very often carry it around because I don't ship it to sort of people. I have, it's not got her name on it. They can't get involved. They won't get involved. But can they give you the figures? No. You can't even go to Derford Hospital and say, what are the cancer... Uh, you can't, you've got to keep it sort of a generic question. We started um, refitting submarines in 1972. Can you show us the cancer incidents in Plymouth since 19, year by year since... How much to tell us something? No. Can't tell you. Can't, they can't tell you. If you go to Derriford, talk to the guys in the cancer unit. They're bows under. They've never seen so many. But they can't get any figures. The, the yeah, whole... Sure. Um, so I can't remember the woman's name and I can't remember the guy's name either, but the Cancer Surveillance Intelligence Unit, which covers the whole of the South West, we've had these issues at Hinkley as well. Yeah, and, sure. um, and I know the guy who did run the Cancer Surveillance Unit, and I forget his name now, I think it's like Derek Phoebe or something like that. Um... He's now, he's not part of the Cancer Surveillance Unit anymore, but this whole thing of rubbishing Chris Busby's work and Green Audit's yeah. work is yeah. quite standard with the, yeah. with the, the industry. Yeah. And I know that um, the guy who did run the Cancer Intelligence Unit had some very, they, they went on Radio 4, I think, in an argument. And although Derek didn't agree with some of Chris's stuff, he totally respected him as, you know, his epidemiology and the work that he was doing. And I know that the woman who's in charge... There's some ways that they're controlling the data and how the data is yeah. collected and constructed and compiled, which is what how they manage to bury. Yeah. You know, I, and then yeah, I, I, I can 
testify to that because when we dealt with Deborah Lapthorn and the um, local health unit, we had statisticians come down and sit at the meeting to explain how they arrived at the figures and to show that our figures weren't statistically significant. Yeah. Now, as soon as you hear statistically, statistically significant, significant, you're lost. Because they sat for an hour with me and trying to explain to me how that works. Uh, so I still can't see it. I'm, you know, I'm an well, engineer by trade. I should be able to see. Well, the way that my mother. It's just it's rubbish. They can say anything they like. Not this is the way that they cut wards up, isn't it? Because I know with Hinkley, it sits right on the boundary of West Somerset and. And I know there's G and I know like this has come to me second hand because it's not my GP particularly, but I know there's a GP in one of the villages that's quite close to Hinkley, or it's a fairly big village actually. And he knows anecdotally, do you know what I mean? Yes, what's absolutely. walking through yeah, his yeah. door yeah. is because of that. But the way that they carve up the data, you know, so statistical significance is about having a large data set, isn't it? Yes. The kick study and the reports that they're doing from Germany yeah. are absolutely blowing out of the water everything that the epidemiologists here are saying, which is now Kamare coming back and trying to rubbish the kick report. Yeah. So, but it, the statistical significance thing is, yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's a very it's a curtain that pulls over the top. Yeah, just pull the curtain over the top, and you just can't get anywhere near it. They actually came back and said to us, "We've analysed all the statistics for the southwest." And there's a, a village somewhere, it might have been Landrake, just outside of Plymouth. Um, they've got higher incidents than the whole of Plymouth. Right? Yeah, okay. Well, how do they get the figures from? How Make, do they get the figures to do the research? I don't know. <laughs> no idea. Well, has, anybody, has anybody asked, uh, done it through the Freedom of Information? No, I haven't. No. Because a lot of information is now coming out for loads of campaigns. I, I, I need an expert to ask the right question. There are some out there. I've had a trawl through some of the Freedom of Information stuff because I saw a redacted thing that come out about the military and just. Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to think where I saw some of it. I'll have to have a trawl when I go home and see if there's anything about the data. David Lowry, and um, he's really, really good at targeting Freedom of Information requests. And I know that um, Richard Brownhall from the Low Level Radiation Campaign, there's quite, a, well, there's been an ongoing attempt at dialogue with the Department of Energy and Climate Change about all of this stuff with Kamari and the health effects, and that's still an ongoing process at the moment with the Low Level Radiation Campaign, trying to get round the table. And because they've got that sort of separation, haven't they? They've got the NHS and Public Health England, and do you know what I mean? All these different. Elements. Bodies, yeah, yes. which makes it so much more complicated. But there's still, a, you know, there's still attempts at having. Oh, sorry, do you mind yeah, if yeah, sure. pass it around yeah. to look at? I have a question for you, if, if that's okay. Sarah mentioned earlier about the um, fuel rods from the reactors of submarines being far hotter yeah. than the fuel rods from nuclear power stations. Yeah. I'm assuming that's because they've been left in to burn a lot longer, and so. And more radioactive because I'm not understanding. You should be aiming that at scientists. It's I, I, my my gut feeling is, is um, that because in a submarine you have to have such a demand, you can have a sudden demand for power. These fuel rods have to be able to have to be able to react quickly. So wh whether it's a purer form of uranium, I don't know. I don't, I don't the uranium is the same, wherever it's, whether it's, you know, it's, it's 235, it's enriched to a certain yeah, level. It but doesn't it's not only uranium, is it? These fuel rods are made of all sorts of things, aren't they? Well, yeah, some of which have got very there. high, uh, very long shelf lives, and some of them 
Oh, God, Cobalt 60, it's only 12 and a half years. Yeah, well, based on what I know, I would imagine it's because they're left in longer, because the... I don't think so. Well, how long, how long is every fuel rods left in a reactor in a submarine? Well, uh, it's supposed to be only once in the lifetime of the submarine, which could well, be... Well, that's leaving them in a lot longer, because in power stations, like 18 months, you're talking about, and they're refueling. <coughs> so I would imagine that's the difference, it's higher... It's higher burn, actually, yeah, yeah. they're burning well, them for longer. Right. Yeah. But the question I wanted to ask you is because there's a lot of talk about them bringing these cut-up submarine reactors to store at Hinkley, where I live. So I'm very interested in about the level of radioactivity yeah, 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 and, and sure. actually tying that down to, yeah. you know, how much more of a radiation or radioactive threat yeah. is it compared to the sorts of waste that already exists at Hinkley? I don't know, because the, the MOD admit that the public perception is that the, the rods are more radioactive than commercial ones, you know, power station ones. And do they concede that that's facts? No, they don't. They, they, they leave it there. They, they, because as soon as you get into anything slightly too far, that oh, yeah, no, sorry, that's classified. You know. even, we, we don't even share information with the Americans. Uh, the propulsion system is American in the submarine. Uh, the reactors we've got control of uh, our reactors, which are the same reactors that they put into the American submarines will run rings around the American subs for performance but they won't tell the Americans how they do it it's like having twin carbs or something <laughs> my car, you know it's, but it, it's that, that sort of secretive I have a question um, and again, it's a question coming from a point of ignorance um, I realise that I, I, I never seem to be able to keep up with which submarine is here, and I just and I I'm assuming that um, that that's a piece of information that's difficult to keep classified. Yeah, um, yeah, so it's in the local press. I mean, right. Is that the best way to find out? No. Or are, are there better better sources? Yeah, there are there are better sources. Um, what you should be doing, all of you should be doing, is going to the local liaison committee meetings which are twice a year at Devonport. Uh, they're held at the Welcome Hall, usually one just before Christmas, the one June, July time, where the dockyard, um, the MOD, the Environment Agency, the nuclear regulators have all got to stand up and give a report. Now, it was very much a closed shop until the last couple of years, before you had to submit a question on paper in triplicate three years in advance, um, now at least they will accept questions from the floor. They might take them away and answer them at the next meeting, but at least you can stand up and say, hang on a minute, that report you just gave me, what about so and so and so and so? Um, and I did that at the last meeting. I'm definitely off somebody's Christmas card list because the guy from the nuclear regulators stood up and said, right. We had a problem. We had a problem on which might have been Torbay, one of the T-class submarines. Um, we were doing. It come in. It would come in to the dock for something. I think they had a, a minor leak on one of the pipes. I think it was one of the feed pipes. There was like four feed pumps. So it's a whole mass array of feed pumps for the primary circuit. They had a leak on this. And he stood up and gave a report and said, um, we decided that it was too hot for the guys to work in the reactor compartment, so we vented, the atmosphere, vented it to atmosphere. 
in the dump truck. And Sorry, can you explain what that means to us? Well, they just opened the door. Like the they did, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <coughs> now, for my first question was, I assume that this was, this was done at midnight when everybody was fast asleep. And no, no, this was done at 12 o'clock in the middle of the day. Oh, that's handy because the primary schools are all, kids are all out to play. But when questioned, he said, oh, it was too hot. The temperature was too high. And I'd already seen the report. It was nothing to do with temperature. It was radioactivity. The activity was too high for the guys to go in. So I said, well, I don't think you were telling the truth. Open forum. And he looked at me daggers. Are you accusing me of lying? Well, yeah, I'm afraid of <laughs> It's nothing to do with being too hot for the guys to work. It was radioactive too hot. Anyway, I don't think I want to get his Christmas card anymore. <laughs> so, so that, that, that liaison meeting, um, how, how do we find out about it? What's it called? If you Google Devonport LLC. LLC. Yeah, local liaison committee meetings. Right. It'll tell you. Um, you should be able to get minutes of the last meeting. That horrible Ian Avon said it should be. It should be all in there. But yeah, that's where we are. So it's not in a good place at the moment. Share, go on, keep going. So is that, so is that comprehensive to all the issues that you mentioned? Because we've got a lot of the same things in Scotland. We've got the MOD applying for permission to discharge more waste and also the problem of moving transport and nuclear waste. Well, you've got Coldport as well. You've got the icing on the cake, really, haven't you? Of course. Because <laughs> you've got the Trident well, weapons yeah, st stored at Coldport. Yeah, those are, that's a common problem. The length and breadth of the UK, of course, they're, they're yeah. regularly serviced, like they moved probably down to Reading. Yeah. Um, but, but is that how... Like so the local residents associations and the, and the, the NGOs and so on have been involved. Is it through this local liaison yes. committee? Have you got any contacts up there? Uh, I've not been involved in it. Um, I'm not sure what the contacts are within. I'm not sure. But well, <laughs> I, I talked to uh, people in Helensborough. Yeah. Jane, yeah. Yeah. Jane Talents. Oh, she's been on the committee with me. There's been three of us, really. Uh, Jane, myself, and Di McDonald from Southampton. They they go right back. They go right back ever since nuclear power came in. Um, and they follow the convoys. You know, when, they, when they make these weapons, they follow the convoys through to Scotland and monitor them and so it's, it's a pretty grim situation. Um, not helped at the moment by the Scottish nationalists wanting to go independent. They've already said you can take your nukes out right away. And our, our MP, being representing us all, is saying, oh yes, we'll bring them all to Devonport. Yes, that's fine. <laughs> Dreadful. Yeah. 
CND website, I'll find it. Won't I? Yes, you will. Yeah. You will. Yeah. Uh, but the one I wanted to ask you was um, when we were in Germany, I sort of learnt this phrase that they teach their pilots to handle and fly nuclear weapons. Of course, only the Americans can tell them when to do it. Um, and so this handling, you know, having to be very careful, and, and then I began to be aware that that is real. This handling of nuclear warheads. And so in Coolport, uh, they have these deep bunkers in the hillside, and from the other side of the lock, they look like little holiday costumes. I think when you get near them, they are not, they're a bit bigger. Um, what I wondered was, do you know anything about the dodginess of handling nuclear warheads? No, no. I don't. I think it's probably something we should find more out about. I mean, it's depleted uranium out there, isn't it? I mean, actual nuclear warheads are. No, I don't. I heard a good story about Kilport. There, apparently, one of the main things, main operations when they're actually preparing it to go out in a submarine is to load the warhead, and then there's a bolt that fastens it to the missile, or activates it to make it live, and then they fire. And this is a kind of important part of the process uh, and uh, in common with everything else then the explosive stand on jetty is done with non-metal tools they're not allowed to use any metal tools so it's explosive uh, in, the, in the warhead and the explosive uh, combustible fuel that's, that's in, the, in the cells as well and so an apprentice was, was kind of uh, given this, this task and sort of promoted to this task of yeah, you can be the guy that turns the bolt today go for it and you go uh, and took his metal spanner in with him and spotted him on CCTV before he could actually uh, reach the thing and potentially cause a spark. Uh, and uh, luckily enough, but then they shouted at him to stop what he was doing and he dropped it, uh, dropped his spanner on the metal floor. Uh, fortunately, no incident on that occasion, but it probably, uh, probably, uh, probably wasn't given up. That's anything against him. We have nuclear accidents all the time. Yeah. If you go to the LLC meeting, you'll hear about the latest one. Mm -hmm. we, we have burst pipes and heavy water going into the river and heavy water going into the docks and spraying guys in the face. Is this something that's disclosed by openly at these meetings? Sorry. Is that disclosed by openly at these meetings? Yeah, it's open, yeah. So the LLC will get that information before the annual safety reports? They'll, they'll give you what's happened in the last six months. Right, yeah. Because yeah. They, they've got to do a safety report and there'll be, there's different categories of accidents. Because yeah. um, one of the recent incidents, I can't remember which one, but I do remember it was reported in the Herald and it had happened in July. So it w And it was a oh, long... Yeah. So... And that was, it seemed even almost more than six months till it got reported in the Herald, but you think that would have come up at the LLC or they were actually keeping that one quiet? Keep it back, I would think, yeah. because it would be in the LLC yeah. and the Herald reporter is always, always there. Okay, so. yeah, because I, I can't remember the time scale, but it was a ridiculously long amount two, of time. Two years, yeah. two years. Yeah, yeah. 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 in July, yeah, but and it was reported in the last September. Right, come out in July, two years later, 
No, no, this was something in the dockyard in Devonport that we're talking about. This was another two years. I can't remember which. They've had so many different incidents. That wasn't the electrical failure, was it? Yes. Yes. What happened was there's a 415 ring main. It's not actually 415. That could be an odd number because it's MOD. But consider it as a 415 ring main that goes all the way around the dockyard and supplies shore, uh, electricity to the submarine. Because it's a nuclear submarine, you've got to have pumps working to circulate the cooling water all the time. Um, and the supply failed. Now, when the guys went and looked at the supply board, there's a piece of equipment that you have to install to reinstate the supply. The electrician couldn't find that piece. So it's, oh, I'll use this bit. Blew it. <laughs> so it was off for quite a long time. And it was only luck that there were no hot submarines that had just come out of action and, and gone to shore supply. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess he would have not very popular, that electrician. He was doing it for the best possible motive. He was, he was trying to fix it. But there's, it's very prescriptive. Everything on nuclear submarines is very prescriptive. You have to do it this way, it's got to be this piece of kit, and that's how it's got to be done, which is quite right, as you'd expect it to be. Uh, they didn't have this piece of kit, so they tried another bit. It didn't work. I want to ask you a slightly random question, because you might know... I love random questions. Um, do you know anything about um, no. uh, a collision between a, a Navy vessel and one of the ferries? Is that something that you... Torpoint ferries? One of, is that something you've come across before? No. No. No, that'd be hell on. They did fire a torpedo across the dock <laughs> yes. a few months back. It was an aircraft carrier. Uh, it was an aircraft carrier from the Navy that hit the Italy ferry boat, uh, the Kremel ferry. Kremel ferry? Kremel ferry. Oh, I see. That was last year. Oh, they kept that quiet. Yeah. <laughs> what happened between um, well, they just went full speed with this aircraft carrier and hit the ferry boat. It's quite a small yeah, ferry, isn't it? Yeah. So is this in the UK? That was here. In Plymouth? Yeah. Yeah. Who kept quiet yeah. about that? No, well, it wasn't news. Was that national news? I don't remember hearing. No, 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 no. It probably was not even in the Herald. Uh, it was just for people visible that, that are actually working at Van Eskim and going back and forth. Yeah, but right. also the, the ferryman is now um, going to court. Okay. So taking taking the lady to court. Yeah. And I said, well, surely they, they will give you everything that they can because they have lots of money. And he said, no, it's probably something that we won't win. Yeah, it was more to admit liability, were they? Somebody so have, they'd have to shoot somebody. Oh. <laughs> oh, who was driving the boat? <laughs> Take him out and shoot him. Yes. <coughs> Where is that? Sorry, I'll Forgive me, but your <coughs> gives me an excuse for what to me is the core issue the health of the nation from radiation. Uh-huh. There it mentions just cancers and leukemias. Do you know of any research or anything on genetic damage to future generations? No, I don't. Because I've, I've seen world papers, one by Rosalie Battelle. Yeah. And they, um, what happens, well, to me it's horrific. She came to do expert witness. Her world name 
in the, um, in the area of radiation of genetics, everything else. Yeah. She came to give expert, um, she came and was sharing with me, she'd been forbidden to give evidence at the World Court. All right. Yeah. On the effects of genetics. And I think it's... What, was she reporting on Chernobyl, the effects of Chernobyl? Sorry? Was she reporting on the effects of Chernobyl? I don't, I don't think it was that specific. I'd have to go back. It's um, a I know there's some that. work being done on that. Um, yeah. Far wider than... But to me, that's, that's a core if you're too horrified. It's an argument beyond yeah. argument. Yeah, yeah. And the ballot, not just me. Yeah. I've seen statistics. I've seen... I can't quote, but I just wondered whether it was right carpet. Well, only this week. So, yeah. I mean, that's cost down. Yeah. <laughs> I would say. Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Red actor. <laughs> only this week they started taking... Uh, but you know... Young women onto nuclear submarines. You don't know of any. The recipe of the sun. They just shows. They're smiling. Yes. Yeah. The how old are they? Oh. Yeah, but how old? I don't know, I didn't see this. Because oh, they're taking children as young as four into Hinkley. No, no, no. Oh, these are yeah, young women. Well, it's yeah, so the so people working in the power station, yeah. their kids coming. And regressive, that's yeah. even more. Yeah. Fact, but when I was the if they were doing that same thing in the 20s, I would think, judging by um, how they look. The whole, the whole argument that we had in the beginning was tritium. Tritiums are what they took into, took into the river. Yeah. And okay, it's it's a very weak emitter. It won't go through your skin. It does go through your skin. Well, no, but if you absorb, if you drink it, that's right. It's 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 it gets ingested. That's the problem. Yeah. Sorry, can we just be really disciplined about speaking one at a time? Thank you. And Angie had a question. Um, one of the sort of gaps in the way, there's a lot of uh, reporting of accidents and um, venting and radio, radiation spills and things. Yeah. And uh, the authorities say, don't worry, this isn't a health problem. And we can't prove it because we can't get hold of the information. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, sometimes if there's a, um, a case, a court case, something goes through the court, then the authorities are forced to even get that information out. And I just wondered whether there were any of the people that had suffered, had suffered cancer in some of the streets that we're talking about that could join together um, and do a public interest case, and I think the lawyers that could help them. We tried that okay. right back in the very beginning because mm -hmm. my neighbour mm -hmm. had a brother who worked in the yard. He was a roofer, and he got riddled with cancers, and they were very rare cancers. Mm -hmm. And he took it through public interest lawyers, uh, Phil Shiner, he probably yeah. um, But they come up against a brick wall. When um, was that? I would guess around 2005, 2006. Do you think like it's worth trying again because things are continually changing? I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know. Um, I would have thought also it's a nightmare trying to prove medical, anything. I mean. Yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah. running parallel to that, if you like, is vets. Yeah. Vets with dogs. Yeah. The, the amount of cancers they're finding in dogs, and dogs are one of the nose to the ground, aren't they? Mm -hmm. um, trying to get statistics and when you talk to the vet, <coughs> and they keep their records, but it doesn't go to like a central uh, body so that they can say, oh yeah, it's 
cancers and dogs have increased so many percent. You just the information is localized, and, and that's and they all say to you, oh yeah, we're getting loads, loads of cancers in dogs and cats. How about public reporting? Yeah, sorry, my brain I can't bear the fact that we can't get hold of information. We have something in, in Plymouth, and you ask people to come and report. I know it's not scientific and all the rest of it, but just come and do it and say, look, which of your pets and people or anything yeah. have suffered here. And uh, we just want to know, even if... You'd be snowed under, I'm sure. I'm sure you'd be snowed under. Yeah, that would surely get through somewhere. Yeah. Yes. Because then you've got people like George Mobbio saying, and and other people saying that there are no impacts on, you know, from nuclear, from from radiation. Um, The stuff that's coming from Chernobyl, because it's all hidden. So one of our purposes is to try to bring light to it and try to... You know, get the information out. Yeah. Most people in Britain don't even know about death. No. We certainly don't know about dogs. But I mean, loads of dog owners all around the country would be worried about yeah, yeah. dogs' health. Yeah, sure. Interesting. It just triggered my thoughts then. Dogs and grass. And every three years, they do an exercise called Short Sermon. Have you ever heard of Short Sermon? No. Short Sermon. Is an exercise done by the MOD, the Navy, Plymouth City Council, the emergency services, every man and his dog. And what they do is they simulate a nuclear accident, a Cat 3 accident, so it's a serious meltdown type. I managed to get myself invited onto one. They wouldn't let me on the last one, because I, I wrote a report on the one I got invo- invited to and got crucified for that. But you wouldn't believe what went on. They did, they did, it was two days. One day they do the exercise, and I'd say it's everybody, it's police, um, ambulance, everyone's involved. Um, control centre, it's fabulous, like something like James Bond, the control centre, it's desks, red phone, black phone, screens, screens everywhere, red wall, fabulous. Went and had a look at that. Interestingly, they've moved that to Exeter. So when they have a nuclear accident, the guys have got to go to Exeter before they can deal with it. Which is very clever. Just as an aside. Anyway, we're at the second day, which is the remediation day, where they discuss all the problems and wrinkles that went on during the exercise. Okay, so we're sat down. In the, in the Guildhall? No, in the, in the council chambers. Great big room full of people. I sat around the outside, NGOs, listening. Wait, we have a bit of a problem. Um, they started off with a fire in the, in the reactor room, um, which is going to obviously lead on to this Cat 3 accident. First thing we do is we call in the local fire brigade, which is Camel's Head. So then the fire officer speaks up. Yeah, we'll go in and fight the fire for about 20 minutes. Then the guys are very radiated and I'm going to pull them out. Well, that's fine. We'll get the army to do it. The army commander stands up, all bells and whistles. No, we won't. So we're here to fight wars, not fight fires. <laughs> oh, oh, we'll get the map loaded. <laughs> so back, back to sailors fighting the fire because everybody else is it off. So that that was one issue which I had a little bit of chuckle about. And then we're talking about evacuation. Okay, so. When you look at Nine Dog, there's a little crescent just the other side of the road from HMS Drake. That's the closest. So they were going to evacuate their crescent because the wind was blowing that way. 
and one street, which was Admiralty Street, I think, which was directly in line wind-wise. Um, so we get the people over there. Of course, then people aren't asking questions then. Well, what about the other five streets? No, 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 they'll be all right. We don't, we don't have to evacuate them. But they'll go. Yes. Well, what are the implications of that? How are we going to rehome them? Well, and bear in mind it could be radioactive <coughs> for a long, long time. But, well, the roads that we've designated for evacuation, we'd have to rehome them. The people that have left have made themselves voluntarily homeless. We've got no obligation to them whatsoever. Oh, I'm not allowed to speak. <laughs> I'm avoiding the tent here. <laughs> But this was the mentality. Now, we've done all that. Now we've got a city that's contaminated. Uh, the water supply is contaminated as far as Newton Abbott. But we've got to clean up the city. Right? Now, cleaning up the city means washing all the buildings. All the buildings. Cutting all the grass and collecting it. Washing all the streets. Copious amounts of water. Right? Well, who's going to do that? Council. Councilman stands up. Don't think so. My lad's not going to do that. Health and safety. Oh, right, okay. We'll get contractors in from up north. They won't go. But this, I'm not making this up. Because I wrote all this in the report after. Can't believe it. Right, we'll get contractors in. Right, okay. So what's going to happen now? Well, we've got street cleaning gangs going around, washing all the buildings, cutting the grass. Yeah. Well, we'll have to get them all kitted up. Protective gear. Oh, no. They can't have protective gear. Why not? Think of the effect that it would have on the tourist trade. <laughs> so they see people cleaning up with protective gear on. Nobody will come on to live on holiday. I'm gobsmacked. What? <laughs> what a cat between nuclear accident. You're thinking about the holiday trade. When was that? This is, the, this is the mentality of the people that are saying. What year or month was that meeting? I'd be, I'd be guessing. I don't it, was it before Fukushima? Yes, absolutely, yeah. I'm going, going, I'm going way back. Could I have a copy of your report? I'll try it, yeah. 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 Thank you. If, if you give me your email. Yeah, yeah, well. yeah. I mean, in a sense, it's, it's very predictable, these kind of mess-ups. I mean, it's absolutely predictable when a crowd of people who are well-intentioned but really haven't thought through to the catastrophic effects of a nuclear accident. I mean, what they've done in, you know, in Fukushima is they've run out of experienced, trained technicians because they've already had up to the limit of their radiation exposure. And they, they have subcontracted out. So some of the people who are being pulled in for the work, not just within uh, Fukushima Daiichi, you know, in the plants, but actually in the, in the exclusion zone, are homeless labourers. They're people from the slums yeah. who are not going to be protected by anybody yeah. because the word gets out and people say, no, I'm not going to work anymore. You know, why should I? Yeah. The money is chicken feed anyway. What's it worth in your health terms? So, and this is, this is predictable. Yeah. This is the way human beings operate. They take advantage of the least able to say, that I should have protective gear all the time. Yeah. And then accidents get covered up all the time. Yeah. Just to add to your geology uh, or frivolity, uh, Berkshire is, has two uh, important uh, sites 
the whole of AW Murphy's organism. And um, if there were a radiation plume released by something like a very bad fire or an airplane crashing, those would be the two yeah. most likely things. Um, then unfortunately, oh, the, the, the staff inside the base are satisfactorily trained, the emergency staff. And I actually believe that to be true. I think that they do take it quite seriously. Um, at Burfield, they're allowed to go and help people outside a kilometre and a half. And out of all the Western base, it's three kilometres. No, totally irrational. Um, and in fact, in other parts of the world, that area where staff, trained staff from inside the base could go out is much, much more. But anyhow, so then you get into Berkshire, wild leafy Berkshire, and you have 50 uh, fire officers, not all of whom would be on duty at the time. They are properly trained, and they have proper equipment. No police... Well, I've now been told that the police this is not true, but I still believe what I was told by John Lund that no police had volunteered to be trained so that they would be allowed in the zone, because unless you've been trained, you can't go into the zone, and absolutely no medical staff have volunteered to be trained. So there are no trained police or things. Uh, it is inconceivable that <coughs> in the last year only um, some police have been trained. But, I mean, it was a while back they had no radiation suits at all among the police, not one. And what you actually need is you need a fairly, well, a very substantial stock of rather specialised breathing masks for all the people who are inside that region area, and they need to have them within the hour to have any reasonable chance. Are well, you feeling all right? That, that's similar to the potassium iodine tablets, wasn't it? Because everybody within half a mile, I think, because we, we had them, were issued with radio, uh, iodine tablets, yeah. keep them in the fridge. Um, but the idea of the exercise is you, as soon as you hear that there's been an accident, you take them and protect your thyroid glands. Um, they stopped doing that. Well, okay, what are, what are we going to do now? Oh, we're going to issue them. Oh, yeah. to, the whole to the whole population just after the accident. <laughs> Bear in mind, the optimum should be like two hours before the accident because give them medication. But afterwards, we're going to go around all the streets and hand out potassium iodide tablets. Okay. <coughs> How are you going to do that then? Who's going to do it? Oh, well, um, Germans. The sailors. <laughs> it's the Navy. The Navy. The people, in, the people in HMS Trade could do it. There's nobody in HMS Drake anymore. The Navy's not what it was. Oh, we'll get the people over from HMS Rally. Now, HMS Rally, for people who don't know, is the other side of the Torpoint Ferry. So these guys won't be sat there waiting to go with their suitcases. They'll be all over the place, out in the firing range. So we get all these people, bus them across to Plymouth to hand out the tablets to the people that will bugger off anyway. <laughs> Which is another story, because in that short sermon exercise, we talked about evacuation, uh, people self-evacuating, um, students, no, wind back a bit. What happens with, is for when an accident occurs is that the, the hooter goes off, I don't know if you've heard it, Monday morning, half past 11, hooter goes off. <coughs> that alerts, alerts people that can hear the hooter to a nuclear accident. Um, television and radio stations are then told to kick in with their public announcement, and the announcement is to go in, close your doors and windows, 
and seal the place up and stay there until someone comes and tells you to do other bonds. Well, in reality, we know that we're going to jump in the car and get as far away from Plymouth as you can. We're going to stop people from doing that. How are we going to do that? We're going to have armed guard at the end of every street within that half a mile radius to stop people from driving away. Right? I'm a legal gun owner. I've got two kids, four grandchildren. You think you're going to stop me from going out of the end of my street with a Land Rover full of, <laughs> full of kids and people? You're not. It's, going to be, it's a recipe for anarchy. Comes to the local school. My wife was working in Mount Wise at the time. They can't hear the siren, by the way, at Mount Wise. But headmaster calls them in for briefing about nuclear accident. If there's a nuclear accident, we bring all the children inside, we lock the doors, we close the windows. We don't let parents come in and take the kids away. What? <laughs> Anarchy reigns again. My wife said, uh, excuse me, I won't be here. What do you mean, won't be here? There's a nuclear accident, I'm in the car, gone for the kids, and I'm out of plan. You can't do that, Mrs. David. You watch me, I'll be gone. <laughs> I'll be gone. That's not the rules. Yeah, sure. <coughs> it's just a recipe for total anarchy. Um, I have a question which is um, um, really helpful to hear about the LLC. And um, if, you were, if you were trying to plowshares, <laughs> what would you do? I mean, do you have any kind of idle suggestions or thoughts as sure. to how we might... There's a poser for you. So your basic ethos is to do away with weapons altogether, isn't it? Yes. Unilaterally? Nuclear weapons. Yeah. I do admire that. But what we're facing here, especially with the LLC, is contamination of Plymouth from the nuclear facility. Uh, they discharge carbon for, uh, car cobalt 16 to the air as well and carbon 14 um, so we're trying to fight at that level yes. um, basic theory is if you want to play cowboys or that's fine as long as it doesn't affect the local population mm -hmm. happy for you to play your war games and all that as long as it doesn't affect our kids um, but as far as TP is concerned, that's a difficult one. Because we don't have any weapons in Devonport. Um, there was talk about it because we were going ahead with the raft project about eight years ago. Um, Bull Point, which is the point of the river further up here. It's an old military establishment. has a jetty and they were going to build a raft for arming submarines and they were going to dredge the river but it was in the end it was Prince Charles and the Duchy that finally stopped that because it would do so much damage to the river and so, so yeah as far as weapons are concerned we've still got conventional weapons we've still got Ernie Settle armament depot we'll still make torpedoes and things like that and if you go over the Tamar Bridge, you can see the jetty underneath, just to the north of the bridge, with usually got barges on outside of it. Um, that's where they load the ships. 
or little forages for weapons to take away. Yeah, go on, far away. Those nuclear weapons cannot be used unless they're fired from the submarines. Unless they're fired from those yeah. submarines. Those submarines are an integral part of the nuclear. It's a weapon system. system. Yeah. yeah. So Fair I argument. I don't think it matters whether they've got uh, yeah. submarines. I mean, they've got a weapon all another time, but they're here in Denver. Also, as you said, there's a Z birth here, and so um, fully armed submarines in trouble could go up. Feasibly, yeah. Terrifying thought. But really, if you want to come along to the LLCs, have a listen, and don't be afraid to speak up. I'm aware that it's 10 to 8, and I'm personally very grateful to you for coming along. Yes, thank you so much.